Have right, you seen like, these kids on TikTok? Like, <laughs> in, no, I you, haven't. <laughs> this is Tall Can Audio. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast for your Wednesday. Thank you so much for checking this one out. We are, as always, on social media at Tall Can Audio. We are there entirely too often. So if you got things to say, we want to hear from you there. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to the pod wherever you're hearing us right now. A new voice for you on the podcast, but uh, Ottawa sports fans will certainly know the name. Brandon Mackey, thanks for coming in, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. It's a, it's an honor to grace such a... <laughs> Such an esteemed platform here in the Ottawa sports media landscape. Sure. Yeah, esteemed. I'm not sure we've we've been given that uh, that descriptor before. So um, it's it's snowing outside, and uh, and it is also the day before the OHL trade deadline. So there was lots of reasons for you to kind of wave me off and go, yeah, it's not going to be a good day for it, but you're here and I appreciate it. I, uh, so. I think Hoffley put it in my contract so you can okay. thank him. <laughs> Uh, I don't do that a lot. I don't like to thank Offley <laughs> yeah, for things. Me neither. No, okay. Uh, you've, uh, I know you've checked out one or two episodes of the show at least before, and you know we like to start with the pints. Uh, I pulled one out just for you because I know, and and we'll get to this maybe later on in the show. I know you're a Sens guy. That's true. Which is a strike against before you've even walked <laughs> in the door. But really, I couldn't tell by all the leaf smirks. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I've I'm, I've been searching around MapleLeafs.com for some new William Nylander merch this week. Should. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we can talk about that stuff. But uh, I had one, one of these left over. My buddy Ian from the Whippersnapper Brewing Company uh, he, he makes all kinds of nice stuff. And back at the beginning of the, uh, the hockey season, he put out something uh, a little sense themed there. It's the Who Wants It? Rye IPA, that of course stemming back to last year's home and home with, uh, or it wasn't a home and home, they were both here in Ottawa, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, Brady coming at the the Red Wings bench, mm-hmm. giving it the, the who wants it. And so the art there on the can, as you can see, is kind of, it's kind of mixed because yeah. he had to blur, like he's not allowed to use NHL trademarks right. and, and this and that. So it's, it's a little blurred, but everybody knows what it's referring to. It's the who wants it Rye IPA. Have you tried that one before? I haven't. No, no. I'm excited to check it out. That coach is looking a little bit familiar to He does. It looks that, a little like Sheldon Key. But I don't know what the historical accuracy is on it, but I think I might like it better that it's the Leafs. Exactly. You know, so. <laughs> I had a feeling. Uh, I've uh, uh, got a couple also from Whippersnapper still kicking around from the holiday season. This is the Nog Hog White IPA. Or white stout, excuse me. Um, obviously, kind of an eggnog theme there, and uh, and so I'm I'm still burning off the holiday supply. I've been trying to pump the brakes here a little in January. Just I'm not a dry January guy, right. but you, you got to slow down a little. But yeah, I've still got a lot of kind of holiday themed beers that we got to burn off. Man, so. anything eggnog themed, I think you should be able to drink that year round. Eggnog's amazing. See, I'm not normally an eggnog really? guy. Now I am into this beer. I've had it a time <laughs> or two before, but. It's odd because I am a rum guy, and I know okay. that goes very nicely For sure. with uh, with the eggnog, but I'm not uh, so much an eggnog guy. Anyway, let's crack the pints. Let's see how uh, how they're treating us here. So this one, mm, ooh, yeah. that's really nice. Okay. So this one I know I've had a time or two, maybe even on the show before. I can't say for sure. It's got a little bit of cinnamon to it, which, yeah. again, is very festive. Um, but the rye IPA... Uh, that you've got over there. That one was uh, kind of in celebrating the uh, the beginning of the Sen season there back in October. Uh, what do you think of that one? I'm a big fan. Like I, IPAs usually aren't my go-to. Okay. But when I do have one, I, I like some nice, like, you know, some spice to it. Sure. A little bit of bite. And yeah. And this has that. This is really refreshing. Like, yeah. like I said, I, I like, I'm not a massive 
beer or even alcohol guy, but it's like, it's like a once in a while thing for me. Sure. But this is something I would buy for myself. Absolutely. There so you the, go. The whippersnapper, who wants it? Rye IPA. <laughs> Outstanding. Um, you might have to wait a little while. Like he, he turns over his lineup quite a bit. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure how often this one will be back in there, but uh, we'll certainly keep the good listener uh, notified. Because this was pretty popular with our listenership. Like I despite my hockey allegiances, <laughs> there are an odd num- oddly high number of Sens fans who listen to this podcast. And I think it's because they're well represented here, even if it's not me, right? Like my co-host Rob, yeah. every Monday, he's a Sens guy. I think it's probably most the, guests who come in here. I think it's probably fans. the Schadenfreude too, right? Like I think everybody. <laughs> I know after a big Leafs loss, the first thing I do is wait for that LFR video from Steve. Hundred percent. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a, a weirdly, you know, percentage-wise, whatever uh, based number of people who said, "Oh, the first thing I ever heard from you was you did a." A 39-second podcast after they got pumped by the lightning. (laughs) I I just came in and went, you could say it's the penalty kill. Bullshit. You can say it's the goalie. I I don't even remember what I, but it was just like, that's all I had. It was just, no, they stunk. It was bad. And people were just like, I like this guy. (laughs) I'm going to watch him suffer. (laughs) Um, Every year after the Leafs are inevitably eliminated in the playoffs. We do a show that's called the uh, the flag lowering ceremony. Oh my god! I hang a giant leaf flag out on the balcony. Yeah. It's here on my condo during the the series, and it's never up for more than like ten days. <laughs> um, but I go out after the Leafs are eliminated in the the you know in the security of darkness, and I take it down then because I'm not letting any Sens fans drive by here the next morning going ah <laughs> yeah no no it's coming down that night, and so I I take you know, whatever, just my AirPods or whatever. And I go out and I, I grumble about what's going like, wrong. You play like Amazing Grace on the yeah. AirPods while you're doing it. <laughs> no, it's, it's usually more rage and <laughs> sadness kind of a, and I know that's again, every year, that's like one of our most popular episodes. It's like, let's listen to this guy be sad. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to that one. Yeah, exactly. Friend. So, uh, look, there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about, but we always start with a new guest with sort of your path, your, sure. your background. And I know you're working for, uh, for Hoffley there at, uh, Oseg and, yep. um, how do you get there? What's your path look like? I'm still not sure how I got here to okay. be honest with you. It was, uh, everything happened very organically and in a way that if you had told me, you know, th- about three years ago that things were going to work out that way, I probably wouldn't have believed you. I, uh, the, the, the elevator version is that I, attended University of Toronto on a football scholarship. Oh, wow. Uh, playing defensive line. Okay. I got hurt two years in yeah. uh, and concussion issues actually spelt the end of my playing days. Mm. So from there, I had been blogging at silver7sends.com for a while. And, you know. But you're not local to this area. No, no. I was born and raised in Sudbury. So let's yeah. start, like, how do you become a Sens fan in Sudbury? Like, oh, okay. Gotcha. That's like, yeah, like yeah. that's, that's Felino territory. I know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I actually, my cousin played with uh, Nick Felino for the Sudbury Wolves. And, okay. Uh, yeah. I've had many run-ins with the Felino family and from top to bottom, they're right. phenomenal people. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like. You know, I grew up in a hockey family. Um, you'll appreciate that my uncle actually played for the Generals. Um, I will appreciate that, yes. Uh, my dad had a cup of coffee with the Windsor Spitfires, okay. and my brother should have played in the OHL. He was probably the best hockey player in the family. He was outstanding player. But um, I, I didn't take to hockey right away when I was a young kid. I was obsessed with Batman and comic books and stuff. Sure. I, I still am. I have a Batman tattoo that takes up half my left arm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, my dad came home from a work trip to Ottawa, 
And a friend of his had season tickets to the Sens, and the Bruins were in town. My dad's a lifelong Bruins fan, so Jeez. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> and my brother's a Leafs fan, so it's uh, it, it's a combative the, family dinner, the Atlantic right? divisional rivalry in the in the Mackey yeah. household. Uh, but yeah, so my dad came back from the game um, that they went to, and knowing I was kind of a voracious reader, I guess for whatever reason he thought. Uh, the copy of the score game day magazine, the, the game day program that oh, yeah. we used to hang out yeah. would be something I like. And, and sure enough, it was, and this was January of 07. So okay. I, Ooh, big year, right. So I kind of got in at the exact right time. So just by virtue of reading through this thing and, you know, kind of realizing what following an NHL team was like, um, you know, eight-year-old Brandon took to the Senators there and and we had a long run to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. So like from there I was in, um, you know, I got to watch that whole Stanley Cup final run as a young kid. And uh, my parents took me to my first game in, in that November. And it's been, uh, that's been my allegiance ever since then. Um, you know, through every star player that's been traded or every tough loss that's happened. <laughs> to this day, I think the most fun, you know, I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan as well. So outside of that Super Bowl run uh, a few years ago, I think the most fun I've had as a sports fan was that. 2017 run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Right, which was game seven overtime, I believe. Thanks right? for the reminder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris Kunis, <laughs> very popular here in the nation's capital. So you, you go to university on a football scholarship. Yep. And is that when you start writing? So, yeah, so I had um, I'd been a reader of Silver 7 for a long time. And for any of your listeners who don't know, Silver7Sends.com was affiliated with SB Nation up right. until last year. They're independent now. But for my money, it's the best Ottawa Senators uh, fan-run blog out there. Mm-hmm. And they do a fantastic job. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I had been a reader of the site for a while. Um, they had an opening come up in the summer of 2018. And I applied, not thinking anything of it, and I got the role. So um, from there, I just had done it casually. You know, I wasn't fully invested in it just because I was still playing football. You know, when you're a university athlete, that's your life. Um, But when I stopped playing, um, it was really tough for me, obviously, because I had defined myself as a football player for so long. And now I needed this new outlet. So I sort of turned full scale into the Silver 7 thing and just tried to put as much as I could into that, write as much as I could, started a podcast on my own. And from there, I kind of realized that the sports media space was something I at least wanted to try to get into. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I really did everything I could to start presenting myself as professionally as I could and make contacts with the media. And, um, and so when you're in your university down there and you're playing football, are you taking any journalism classes, any writing classes, or is this something you do on your side? So my degree's in English, right? Um, so I, I, I took that in school, knowing one, it was what I was good at. And two, um, I wanted to be a better writer. So um, I, I honestly don't think it really helped me in that sense, though, until I got to my third year. I had a couple courses with some really awesome professors that I feel really that was a pivotal moment for me where I became a better writer because of those courses. Right. Um, and then COVID happened, right? So yeah. when the pandemic hit, I had all this downtime, even more downtime, which allowed me to start really focusing on the podcast and this, that, and the other thing. Um, Graduated from U of T in April of 2021 and began the job search, had a lot of rejections. Um, I still have them all saved in an email folder. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You're one of those guys eh, who kind of, I'm sort of like that. I don't save them like that, but I... I remember every one of them, right? Yeah. Like I, I'm sort of, yeah, that's I, a motivator. Or exactly. A, that's, that's the way I've kind of always been as I sort of use that as a motivator. And, um, 
funnily enough, it was the job that I never applied to. That was the one I got. And it was, um, I remember I got a message in July of 2021 on Twitter from Chris Offley, who I had engaged with, you know, a few times here sure, and there yeah. on Twitter. And um, I'll never forget, it said, hey, you should apply for this bilingual communication specialist job I have, even if you're not bilingual, which I'm not, though, <laughs> trying to be. And... Uh, and so, yeah. Good it, talent scouting, Hoffley. It, it, yeah, <laughs> using Twitter, right? I don't well, know. and guy doesn't even meet 50% of the job description. <laughs> exactly. <really. laughs> yeah. Good Details. job, Hoffley. We'll work yeah. on it. Um, yeah, it's um, – so from there, it was – it happened like lightning. Like I had, I think, three interviews within the span of about four days. And then I got a call from Hoffley – on the Saturday, which was funny because he said he'd be in touch on Monday. <laughs> so I'm out walking my, my girlfriend at the time. I'm walking her dog and I get a phone call and it's, uh, and it's Hoff. And he says, you know, he runs a couple things by me, like, you know, the standard, if I were to give you the job, yeah, would this yeah. be acceptable to you? And I said, yes and yes. And then he goes, well, in that case, I'd like to offer you the position. Right. And it must've taken me about 10 seconds to process what I had just heard. <laughs> be- and then I said, all I could think to say was, well, in that case, I'd like to accept the position. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a dream come true for me. Like I had never, Ottawa was always number one on the list of destinations I wanted to go just because of the community I had sort of met online through covering the Sens. And so you're still in Toronto when he offers yeah, you this? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I, which was, which was a funny moment, um, not to get too off track, but which no, was, by all means. was a funny moment during the first interview because Hoff was under the impression that I was in fact in Ottawa. Right. And, Did uh, we meet for coffee? I mentioned something. <laughs> in the virtual interview about being in Toronto and you could see the color sort of drain from Hoff's face. <laughs> oh, and oh. he goes, just, just to clarify, you're willing to relocate, You know right? you're going to have to move <laughs> yeah. for this job. And I was like, yes, so that is acceptable. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and it, it happened fast, man. Like once I accepted the job, I was here in Ottawa with an apartment in 10 days. Like, oh, wow. I know everything just worked out so perfectly in terms of finding a place and my parents were awesome they came right down to toronto and helped me pack up all right. my stuff and get moved and and i was working less than two weeks after i got hired right so it was it was a dream come true and i still pinch myself that i'm here in ottawa doing what i'm doing so at the time that hoff offers you the job are you you know uh, oseg obviously big into the cfl big into yeah. the ohl Obviously, you come from a hockey family with some ties to the OHL. Are you actively following the OHL in that moment? And as you're playing football, are you more watching the NFL than the CFL or vice versa? Like, did you need a, a kind of a crash course or were you already following these leagues that now is, you know, are right there in front of you as part of your job? Well, it's funny because they, they hired me mainly to focus on the 67s, right? Okay, yeah. um, that was going to, I obviously have a have a hand in a lot of the things, every, all things Red Blacks, but mm-hmm. but... The 67s were going to be my baby. Like that was the understanding. Sure. So, um, funnily enough, I, I needed more of what you would call a crash course on the OHL side, just because if I had followed the OHL over the past few years, it was draft prospects, right? Like right. covering the sends and all that stuff. Right. Um, so the ins and outs of the league were something I've, I've had to learn. And, and honestly, a great resource for that has been Kenny Walls over the last few nice, years. Nice, yeah. Um, Kenny is an encyclopedia of all yeah, things OHL. Dude, dude. Oh, he's the best. Great suits. He's great. the best. Great suits. <laughs> Phenomenal suits. I shouldn't be calling him a good guy on the air because he's always slamming me yeah, on the okay. air, but it must be the beer. Um, but yeah, so Kenny's been great. Um, for the CFL, I didn't have like a team that I followed, but I had, at that point, 
when you go through university, you meet a lot of guys who play in the league. You play with guys who go on to play in the league, like Nick Hallett, who has had an amazing few years for the Bombers, was mm-hmm. my teammate at U of T. And, okay. Um, so you st- I rooted for the guys that I knew um, that were playing in the league, but I wouldn't call myself, um, you know, like a diehard, rabid follower sure. yeah. um, of, the, of all things CFL. But one of the cool things about the job and working with the Red Blacks is it's allowed me to fall back in love with the league yeah. and even get to know it on, on a deeper level too. Um, obviously getting time behind the scenes with guys like Sean Burke and Bob Dice. Yeah. And you learn so much, not just about the league, but about the game of football as a whole. And, and it's just about life. And that's been one of the coolest experiences I've had in my life. So I, I didn't come in cold to the job. Like I knew I had a good foundation. Obviously the 67s had made noise the last few years for mm-hmm what should have been a championship run in 2020 and, and a great run in 2019 as well. So, um, so I, I had a good foundation, but it was in a way, it was a kind of a fresh start for everybody, right? For this, because for the 67s, we had a team of 16 year olds. That right. Year. Yeah. Um, so all the players that were coming in new and so was I, so it, it kind of lent itself to that. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely had some catching up to do <laughs> when I got, when I got the gig for sure. And so I guess you'll correct me if my timeline's off a little bit, but they, the CFL didn't play at all in 2020. Correct. And in 2021, it was a short season. Yeah. So you you come in just before, and I know they said that the OHL is going to be your baby, but I know that you have a hand, obviously, in covering or you know working with the Red Blacks. Well, you know Hoffley's work ethic, right? So I, I, it's yeah, pretty lax. <laughs> yeah. Pretty. So lax. it takes. So you kind of have to. <laughs> so as you come in there, how far? Like I can't remember exactly when that season started. Like how fast do you get dropped in there? You said you came. Uh, the the interview process, everything plays out in July. Yeah. You know. How quickly are you dropped in here before the CFL season then is like, yeah, get to work. Like, here we go. Well, I had been uh, hired just before the season opener in Edmonton. So I covered, I helped cover that game on the road. I think I wrote the recap for it too, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to do a little bit virtually. Right. And from there, that was kind of a weird season. Like, it was almost like akin to a trial season for me, just because with the COVID rules that year, we couldn't have any real contact with right, the players of the yeah. staff, right? Like we were pretty much cordoned off on the other side of the building. So the Even only, as part of the organization. Yeah, yeah. Uh, be, because the way that it was structured that year, it was tiers, right? So if you wanted to be in the player tier and, and you know, the coach tier where you're with them every day, you can't go into the office and vice versa, right? Okay. If you want to be in, and, you know, we had to be in the office so much that there was an exception made for game day where we would be on the sideline with the team and stuff, yeah. but we had to take a COVID test before and, right. and all that stuff, right? So, um, so I didn't really get to start building relationships with all the guys and all the staff until my second year um, because a lot of them still didn't, didn't know who I was by that point, right? <laughs> because they just had only seen so much of me. Right. Whereas Hoff has been here since 2016, right? Yeah. So every, everybody knows Hoff. Um, Ta- so Knows, tolerates. Exactly. Tolerates, yes. Puts up with. Um, but yeah, so so that was the uh, so that was the kind of weird thing about that first year, but it was also, in a sense, it was good because I was able to get my feet wet and right. really learn the ins and outs of the of the day to day. And then from there, you know, it was all systems go into the next season and then the last one. So um, the timeline was weird, um, especially because we didn't have a home game, I think, for the first like almost a month after the season started. Right. Um, so my first home game wasn't until like late, mid to late August, I think. Um <laughs> Which was, I mean, it's still amazing. It was still sure. so much fun. And the crowd was amazing that night because it was the first CFL game in Ottawa in almost two years, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, like it was, it happened fast. And then 
so I had about a month of just Red Blacks, and then the 67s kicked off at the end of August, right? And mm-hmm. we had a huge, huge training camp that year because that was Dave Cameron's first year as head coach. He didn't right. know anybody. We had a, literally an entirely new group of players except for, I think, two or three guys. Or sorry, it was more like four or five, but <laughs> but still, like mostly, you know, completely, completely new team. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, – it's even weird to think about looking back on, especially when you factor in all the COVID restrictions and that stuff. But, but yeah, that it was out of the frying pan into the fire, man. Like I got <laughs> dropped right into it and which was the best way to learn. So yeah. it worked out great. Do you find yourself, you know, some people are fine to talk about this stuff. Some aren't like, do you find yourself overwhelmed those first couple of weeks or did, are you that type of person? that's just like, no, okay. Like hit me with it. Let's go. Like, yeah, like it's a little bit of both. Um, for, I'm the, uh, you, you're right. I am the kind of person who's like, you know, throw everything at me right. and I, I want to do as much as I can. But, but Hoff was honestly great in really helping to ease me into it. Um, that's one of the greatest, the great things about working for him is it's, it's this great balance between I have guidance whenever I need it. Um, but you know, he's going to give me the ball and let me run with it. Right. So especially for the 67s that happened pretty quickly, I think Hoff worked with me the first one or two 67s games and then after that I was it was my show right sure um and then from there um I the, the scariest thing was honestly in my second year when I had to do my first Red Blacks home game by myself and that was I was terrified but but Michelle Dion was there helping me was that the year that Hoff took like half the summer off yeah like, like a wedding I had like you had 58 weddings <laughs> right yes like, like get yeah. to work <laughs> and exactly like I had a I had a home game against Calgary and then I had uh, then I had made a bunch of trips too, and uh, but yeah, like it was the summer of Hoff. We called it. Um, but yeah. unless you worked for Osei, exactly, in which case it was the summer of no Hoff. Yeah, it was the summer of oh my god, someone help me. Um, but no, it, it was so much fun. And again, like even when Hoff was on the road at a wedding or whatever, like he was literally texting me from a wedding, you know, if I needed something. Like, right. Um, so he's the support has been huge, but but yeah, it was definitely a steep learning curve and. Like I'm in my third season with the 67s, and I only really now feel like okay, I can do this backwards, sure. like on game days and stuff. Um, I don't do it backwards, just for the record. <laughs> you know, but you're not gonna see me walking around backwards on the concourse. But uh, but it's allowed me to take on some new stuff too. Um, like my my colleague Rossi and I have an intermission segment where we're on a live mic on a live camera, which handing me a live mic is an interesting <laughs> strategy. But uh, you know, in an in arena segment where we break down the games, that's been a ton of fun. So getting the the leadership that I've had over the last few years has sort of allowed me to take on these new things, these new exciting projects. And, and that's something I'm grateful for as well. So as you and I are sitting here right now, it's Tuesday afternoon. This is going to drop Wednesday morning. And then mm-hmm. later Wednesday is the OHL trade deadline. Yes. So uh, as I said to you before, we fired up the microphones. I'm a little surprised you agreed to come in this particular week. <laughs> but what does a week like that look for someone, uh, look like for someone in your job because there's already been a ton of moves league wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ottawa has not been on the sidelines. Nope. They've been very no, much have not. <laughs> involved in all of it. So, you know, what does a week like this look like in terms of, you know, the differences between a standard week? What are you doing this week? It is very busy, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and it's a lot of fun because we're in a position where James Boyd, our general manager, and Jan Eggert, the associate general manager, have done such a good job building out the roster through the draft and at the same time accumulating draft capital that we're in a position where we can be buyers for a second year in a row. Right. Uh, last year, we added, I think, 
the two best players in the league and Logan Morrison and Pavel Minchikov at the deadline. And that was really exciting. But in terms of the ins and outs of the job, um, there's a lot that goes into it. So it's a lot of waiting and then a complete helter skelter flurry for like a few hours <laughs> and then you know you sort of the sort of cycle repeats itself um so basically you know you'll hear about a transaction that's been made from hockey ops and then it's a multi-step process where you make sure you have the details right you we obviously have to wait for league approval before you can announce anything sure. but you coordinate with the other team you're making a deal with you find a time that works and then you send out the announcement together. So it's notifying the social media team so they can get their graphics and stuff ready. And, you know, if you have a player departing like we did with Max Stenoso yesterday, there's an extra layer that goes into that because Max has meant so much to our team and to our organization for the last few years that, you know, you throw them a a thank you video and all that stuff too. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of sitting around waiting for direction and then going absolutely ballistic for a few hours um and then just again making sure you have the details right it's just it's very a lot. cfl right like it is yeah a lot of break 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 run exactly break, 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 exactly run. uh yeah it's attention to details the important the most important thing because the last thing you want to do is get the details wrong in a press release of a yeah. trade or something like that and um but again it, it's so much fun uh i'm the type of guy who i also you know um i'll never forget that when i got hired by oseg the first two people to call me and introduce themselves and welcome me to the organization were James Boyd and Jan Eggert. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. It, so that I never forgot that. And I think it's a big reason why Ottawa is such a desirable place to play is because yeah. of the culture that they've helped create. So I always like to introduce myself to the new guys that we get to and just let them know that I'm there if we need anything. And mm-hmm. when you have a guy like Sam Maia coming in, who's a Lauren Yale native and a f- bilingual, so you know he's going to have media on both sides that want to talk to him. You want to open those lines of communications sure. right away so you can say, hey, by the way, can you do the radio this this evening and things like that? So um, it's f- fire and fury for a little bit, and then it's and then there's some calm. So um, it was a crazy day yesterday. I like I you know we were talking before we we jumped on. Yeah. I, there was I think four trades in the span of about 22 <laughs> hours. So that was pretty nuts. <laughs> um, it was I was I slept pretty good last night. Yeah, but but yeah, it, it's fun, man. Like like you have to love this type of thing to be in this business, especially this time of year, because it is crazy and it is fast paced and high pressure. Um, and I love it. So I, I have a blast every year around the trade deadline. So there's been a few different times where I've asked Hoff if you wanted to come in, have a pint and talk, whatever. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll just get the kid to do whatever, which I guess make the notes for him. Yeah. You're the kid. <laughs> right. And that's the, that's the deal. Is that sort of the way Tuesday afternoon has played out here where you got the call, you're going to come have a beer or two and, and just left it to Hoff that, uh, yeah, you'll take care of it. I, I, I think got, maybe I it's just because of the weather. He didn't want to leave the house. You know, <laughs> he's like, ah, it's cold out. You know? He's got to look after that little dog. He's always posting about the can't stand up the under senior like. senior wiener. Yeah, exactly. It's got like six inches of snow. The thing can't walk anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to carry her through the snow. <laughs> he's going to put his snowshoes on. Yeah. Um, so does all of that come through you? Like the, the 67s make a trade and maybe AJ Jackie Beck comes calling. I want to talk to somebody on, yeah. on the drive and, uh, you know, this guy, you're just trying to get to know, welcome him to the organization. His head's probably spinning. He's coming from Owen sound or mm-hmm. God knows where, <laughs> um, are you the guy that AJ is going to contact and then put in touch with that player or? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like that's one of the things I've been trusted with to do on the 67 side, um, is to be the main point of contact for the media, for our players and for our staff. So yeah. And again, it's, it's something I like doing. Um, I like to keep track of things, which is, which helps, you know, I, I, one of the things that drives me nuts. The details is when, guy. Yeah. When a guy ends Same. up on the, on the radio or whatever. And I'm like, I didn't set this up. <laughs> 
Um, it's usually a Kenny Wall special when that happens, and then I get the and then he tells me two days later at the game, oh, I forgot to tell you where I was going. Yeah, thanks, Kenny. Uh, but yeah, so it, it it is me that it goes through, and uh, it, it's good, especially this time of year, because again, it's one of those things where you want to be introducing yourself and opening lines of communications with these new guys anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just in case they need anything, or you know, you need them for anything. So um, it it works out in my favor and I think in everybody's favor. So yeah, I mean, we've, we've had a bunch of that already. Um, Sam Maia was on TSN 1200 last right. night. We've got Jacob Ballette doing it tonight and Sam's doing uh, unique FM here in Ottawa as well. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it's busy times, but me, the media requests are what you want, right? Like yeah. you want to be, Getting a lot of guy, uh, getting a lot of calls and, sure, and texts about your players. Want to be relevant. Want to be for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, probably as well as anybody, it, it's hard to get coverage these days, mm-hmm. um, especially with the sports media landscape in Ottawa shrinking. You have yep. Ladra losing a lot of quality writers. JF Plant has been one of the most consistent presences at 67's games for my time here, and right. Um, so it's get it's just getting tougher, and you just got to keep finding new ways of coverage. So so when they come to you, it's a bonus. So uh, under your roof, but not under your platform, yeah. last week, we saw the PWHL debut in Ottawa. Yeah. Um, I was really excited to be able to grab a couple ticks, which was which was really hard, like, to it's get tough, the tickets. Yeah. It was, um, I sort of, at the time, like, I had the opportunity, uh, they did that thing when the draft was happening back in September, October, where, like, if you throw down 50 bucks at the time, you would have advanced. Yeah. Uh, so I got in on that. And when I came around... I was like, do you want to grab season tickets? Do you want to do a half season pack? Or you can have first access again to, to just a single game. And I'll be honest with you, and, and the good listener already knows, I've had a kidney transplant, so I'm on immune suppressants. Right. So I, I hadn't been to an indoor sporting event since before the pandemic. This, wow. So I've been to the Red Blacks, right? I kind of felt like you can create some space. You're outdoors. It's, it's a different animal. Um, but this was my first indoor sporting event. And I, I really wanted to go. I wanted to be there. I wanted to support. Now, little did I know they did not require my support they were going to get plenty of support uh but i was still pumped to be there but i did not go ahead with like a season ticket i was like let's just go to the one see how it feels yeah. and then you can buy up some tickets later but maybe you can't <laughs> it's, yeah it, it, it's been really popular did you have a were you able to get in there i know you, you've probably got a key to the side door or something i was to slide gonna say in. like i'm worried my credentials not good right enough. like i'm gonna get kicked out like i'm like i need an extra special credential yeah. security's gonna throw me out like jazz from fresh prince you know like <laughs> At the front door. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, I was I was completely laid out sick last week. Oh, which, that's right. You yeah. posted about that on Twitter. Yeah, right, yeah. Which, which broke my heart because yeah. I really, really wanted to be there and I was really looking forward to it. But I did watch on TV and yeah. it was, I, like, I was just, I still am blown away by it. Um, I'm not surprised per se because I know what a hockey town this is and to yeah. me, a women's hockey team in Ottawa has always been a no-brainer when um and maybe I have a different lens on that just because I am so what the kids would call online and <laughs> and I know a lot of people in the in the hockey community from You all. don't get to do that. You don't get to go <laughs> what the kids would say. You're the kids hey, in man, my you, book. Have right? you seen like, these kids on TikTok like yeah, in, No, in, I if, haven't. If, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have TikTok. That's a good point. I retract <laughs> that statement. Uh but yeah, like so it's 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 I, I knew it would do well, but I don't think anybody expected the level of uh, buy-in that we got. Because you guys normally, for the 67s, open up, what is it, about 4,700 seats for an average regular season game? Yeah, that, I would yeah. say that's probably about right. Somewhere between, I mean, it's such a it's such an up and down thing because you don't draw the same on, say, a Friday night as you do on like a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, sure. right? Um, 
but yeah, like we, I, we've never in my time here, I, we haven't had that 8,000 person yeah. crowd for the 67s. I mean, we do well, don't get me wrong, 100%. but, um, but you know, usually like when things get really nuts, you're talking like six, six, seven thousand. And then when you get deep in the playoffs is when you start getting that yeah. eight, 9,000, you know, turnout. So, um, were you surprised that they had to keep up? Cause it, it, at first it sold out the 47 and then what did they go to like? 6200 and then it was 6800 yeah. and then it was like fine like here's everything we got here I know. Uh, yeah like like I don't know if surprise is the right word like I said just because I know how much hockey means to this community and, yeah. and just how much of an appetite there is for women's hockey in Ottawa um but I think when you factor everything in, like when you factor not just the size of the crowd, but how loud they were yeah. for the evening. Oh, we booing Marie Poulin. Hilarious, That's man. amazing. I was so in on that. And like, I'm sorry, if you're a hockey fan who doesn't get that, like, yeah. you're a rival now. Exactly. It's no different than in, like, like I, I, it's just sort of happened in reverse. For sure. Right? Like in men's hockey, you know, I... Do I like it when I, I don't even know what the example when Connor McDavid comes in and lights up the Leafs? No, I really don't. But I'd be pretty pumped if yeah. all of a sudden we had a Team Canada <laughs> featuring Connor McDavid. I'm a fan now, right? Exactly. And so for Marie, in women's hockey, it sort of had to happen in reverse, mm-hmm. where we've only ever watched them on big stages together. Now they've been split up. Yeah, you're coming in here to beat my team. No, screw that. I'm going to boo you all the way yeah. in on that penalty shot. And and she got it. She understood. It's mm-hmm. a it's a sign of respect, right? Like, yeah, like a- like I have a friend who is uh what you would call a casual hockey fan. Right. Um and has a lot of concerns about the toxicity of the male side of hockey culture, which is it's completely kind of valid. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um but I think when she, she texted me when when the crowd booed MPP, <laughs> I was like, oh, like I, I get it. But at the same time, like, I, you know, it makes me worry. Like, you know, we have to be better than, you know, the other side of hockey. And I was like, yes, but what you don't understand is this is a good thing because yes. it means they're taking this seriously. It's like, my team. I'm taking exactly. ownership of the Ottawa like, franchise. Ex- this is not the barnstorming that the PWHPA did where yay for everybody. Exactly. No, if you're here to light up my team, I'm against you. Yeah, like <laughs> like people aren't looking at this like, oh, it's just great that the women like, you know, have a game like in a league. Yeah. No, they're no, into it. I'm like, they're rooting for, for my team. Yes. yes, exactly. Which is phenomenal. And, yeah. you know, I would expect uh, Ottawa of his top players to be booed in Montreal. You I know? would so, imagine so. Yeah, you know, I almost, I frankly, I hope so. You know, not that I want them to get booed, but yeah. it's, but, I, but again, it just means that everybody's taking it seriously. Everybody's buying in and investing in the league. To me, that is the biggest marker of success. Um, that was the thing that got me really excited because it's like, okay, we're here and everybody is into it and yeah. everybody is taking this seriously. Yes, which is what you want and it's what I think women's hockey has missed at a professional league level for a while. Um, so now that it's there and the league, this and people got to remember, this is the foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, like that other stuff, like team names and what have you, like apparently that's all coming, right? Yep. So this league is... Was, this, don't get me it, wrong. It was a bummer that it wasn't sure. there in that initial wave that you didn't have like a hat that I wanted to ask for for Christmas or yeah. like little things like that where there's wrinkles but when the league laid out there were yeah we could have spent some extra time doing all that and then launching with all of it next year but it's another year that these women aren't on the ice when it's presented that way you go, yeah, yeah okay I get it just get and, it going just get on the ice and right? if the foundation that you're working from even in a league where you don't have team names you don't have logos or anything like that you have people selling out the arena at TD yes. Place yep. to come to the inaugural game. Like, if that's your foundation, that's your starting point, and like the we're fear, in business, The man. fear would have been that it's 
novel. So it's yeah. just the home opener. No, this, the whole season. Like, it's hard to find a yeah, ticket It's like the now. month of January. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, well, the whole season. is It gets hard to find home tickets here right now. Toronto, I know it's a much smaller arena. They're sold out for the year. Yeah. Like, this isn't a novelty. This isn't a, yeah, I'll show up for day one because it's the place to be. No, people, like, want to do this. They want to be there. And so I'm curious, like, before all that happens... What's happening around TD Place when you guys get the word that that's where they're going to play? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, there's going to have to be some space created. There's going to have to be some, you know, work around the calendar. There's going to have to be a locker room built. Like, yep. uh, how how quickly did that get underway over at TD Place? And, and what was all that kind of craziness like? Like, almost immediately. And it wasn't even, I wouldn't even call it craziness. I would just call it excitement. Like, mm-hmm. everybody... We obviously got word before it was made public that sure. they were going to be playing at, at the arena at TD Place, and everybody was just so jazzed about it. Yeah. Like it was such an exciting it's the perfect thing. spot. Too, it really right? is, yeah. And I, it's you know it's central, it's downtown, and, it's, and this is it. it. If you're already a Sens fan, and it's look, we haven't had any snow yet this year, but like except today, if, yeah, except today. <laughs> but like if it's one of those weeks where it's snowing all week and it's brutal and you're already having to do two trips out to Canada because you're a season ticket holder for the Sens and yeah. you want to get in on the... P- do I really want to go all the way out there again? Maybe not. Maybe I do. Right. But this is right downtown. There's restaurants there. Yeah. I don't have to worry. Like, And look, maybe they'll grow it. Like that. I, this was a reasonable place to start. For sure. But 8300 a night... That'll be fine, right? To get you up and running Absolutely. and establish yourself. Yeah. So, so I mean, like from our perspective, it was just, I mean, we're all hockey fans there, sure. right? Like just being around the 67s and obviously, you know, we have a ton of, of women who work for the organization who are huge women's hockey fans. Yeah. Rebecca Leslie plays for PWHL Toronto. Right. She works for us, right? So like the, again, like there That's wasn't. comfortable <laughs> A little bit, right? Like I was like, oh, like, I got to cheer for Toronto. Like this isn't good. Oof, that's uh, uncomfortable too. I, I got to imagine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, it, it, it's just everybody was so excited. And I think it was everybody sort of approaching it with this attitude of, of whatever they need. Like we've got them. We started construction on the, their locker room almost immediately after it was announced and it happened quick. I think they had that thing built in like a month and a half. <laughs> like it, and it looks amazing. It's, it's beautiful in there. And yeah. especially when you consider what it used to be, which is uh, where we would put visiting teams for the 67s, right? Right. Like it was, it was a visiting teams locker room, which isn't, you know, bad by any means, but it's certainly not our it's not 60s, the home team. Yeah, yeah. It's not our 67s locker room or anything like that. So um, there was just such a fundamental buy-in from everybody in the organization from top to bottom. Um, everybody was so excited about it and so thrilled that we were going to get an opportunity to play even just a small part mm-hmm. in what amounted to history. And, you know, I think the record only stood for a couple days, yeah. but it was <laughs> but it was the first women's professional regular season game to really sort of break that seal and really start, you know, getting the attendance to pour in, which is amazing to even think about. So uh, I think when you saw all the media there, you saw the fans there, you saw how loud they were, how engaged they were, um, the significance of it really sunk in. And it means a lot to us to be a part of it. And we're really excited to continue being a part of it in the future. So the one thing that's made me a little uncomfortable, and I'm obviously, I'm a transplant here, right? Like I grew up in the GTA and, and came up here in about 2012. And so... I was able, the Red Blacks were new at the time. I didn't have to abandon allegiances, in my opinion. Like, I'm never going to be a Sens fan. This is not going to happen, right? I'm too dug in on that. But when the Red Blacks debuted, I didn't have to abandon anybody. And and in theory, 
a new expansion team is supposed to be bad for a long time. So no one would accuse me of being a front runner either. Now, right. the Red Blacks got good quicker than anyone would have predicted. <laughs> um, but, you know, so be And that's sort of how I felt with the PWHL starting. The, this wasn't a thing before. I'm not abandoning anything. Yeah. This is my adopted hometown. I want to get in on this and, and be a part of it. And so I'm curious, you know, what it's like for you guys the, the uncomfortable part for me is like on the day of the game, they're like, here's Brady Kachuk wishing them well. And I'm like, no, no, like that's, <laughs> that's rough on me, right? Like, I don't want to cheer for the same thing Brady's cheering for. Right. But like you guys, this team is not under the OSEG umbrella, Correct. but they are playing in your building. Mm-hmm. So like, what's the cooperation been like? Like how much... Ownership is the wrong term, but like how much crossover are you guys expecting to be able to do, you know, as part of the, you know, the the Fury Red Blacks 67s kind of umbrella that you guys have going there at TD Place? Yeah. Like how eager have they been to cross over and, and vice versa? I think it's the same thing uh, or the same sort of principle as it is with Atletico Ottawa or with the Blackjacks where... Um, you know, they're a tenant and we, you know, for us, we just want to be there to help where we can. Right. So um, that was one of the yeah, things. My I, Fury reference there is pretty out of date. I don't know. <laughs> that was before my time. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, Atletico. No, um, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, that was one of the things like I felt bad about not being able to be there the first night, right? Because Sylvain St. Laurent is there, is there a communications yeah. person now. And, um, you know, I just wanted to be there to support any way I could. So uh, with anything like this, like we're, like you mentioned, they're not, under our OSEG umbrella, uh, you just want to be there to support as much as you can, especially when it's a new team and a new league and mm-hmm. you're just, they're just, you know, starting to find their footing. Um, in terms of crossover, like there's such a f- high level of cooperation we have with all the teams around TD Place that um, stuff like that is always a no brainer. Like, right. I think before the, the PWHL Ottawa opener, we had Henry Muse put on one of the jerseys and, you know, take a picture and we posted and wishing them luck on social media and sure. and we have a lot of women's hockey fans on the 67s um, Brady Stonehouse's sister Abby is uh, one of the top I think U18 players in, in Canada right. and she's committed to Penn State I believe I think it's Penn it's Penn or Penn State That's I think it's Penn State um, but yeah this so is why I don't get into university sports so it's, like, it's impossible to keep track of <laughs> impossible um, but yeah so it's not even one of those things where you have to twist a de- twist a guy's arm or explain the importance of him. Like they think it's the coolest thing. We had players at the game, you yeah. know, signing autographs and stuff, and just there to watch. We had guys. I had guys asking me for tickets, and I couldn't get them <laughs> tickets, which is like the first time in the history of ever that's happened. You know, so uh, yeah, like it, you know, we it's it's one big happy family at TD Place, mm-hmm. um, and you know, every time Atletico has success, we're thrilled. Anytime the Blackjacks have success, we're thrilled, and it's the same for PWHL Ottawa, and they always return the favor to us with the Red Blacks and with the 67s. So, um, it's a really nice environment to be a part of, and I think with all the excitement around the PWHL and the Ottawa team in particular, it's it that's just going to continue to grow. Sure. Uh, let's talk about the Sens a little bit. Let's do it. And I would ask you, uh, is this a good team playing poorly? Is this a group of good players that are not equaling a good team, like the sum of their parts? This is obviously, look, I, maybe I'm biased, and I am. Yes. 
I still I, I didn't think the Sens would make the playoffs this year, but I did think they'd be there right at the last minute with the Buffalo Sabres knocking on the door right mm-hmm. down to that last week, and that just hasn't happened. Yeah. And so how do you view, you know, this year where the excitement was at a certain level, we've got the new ownership, right? We've got yep. Jake Sanderson locked up. Like all these things are falling into place and they're legitimately, obviously, there are very good players on this team and it just hasn't worked. Yeah. What What are you seeing happening this year? I see a team that has all the pieces and a team that I largely truly do believe is going to be fine in the long run. Hmm. Um, it is it's tough to swallow this year where, like you mentioned, you had all that excitement coming in and, um, this is the second year of that. Right? I know. Like the year before was the hot pier summer. Right? Yeah. The, the yeah. things that all happened. And yeah. this year was the, you know, we got Sanderson locked up and yep. we got the new owners like, and twice there's been this letdown. So, so Dave Cameron twice, I don't know why I limited to that. There's been several years of letdown for Sens fans, but the last two <laughs> specifically felt like was the time the step would be taken. So, so Dave Cameron, the, who's the, obviously the head coach of the, of yeah. the 67s, um, has a, a phrase that he always goes back to that I really like. And the older I get and the more sports I watch, the more I realize it's true. Can't win young. Like it's just those three words, can't hmm. win young. And I think for this Senators team, they, they've had to deal with a lot and I'm not making excuses for them because it's not an excuses business as anybody who's around pro sports knows it's, but when you look at everything that's happened, um, you had what was kind of what I would call a half transition, right? Like you, like you had the new ownership, but you still had the same GM, same head coach going into the season. Um, not that I'm slamming those guys and saying, you know, they're the reason that things are the way they are right now, but maybe, right? (laughs) Like, but, but this is also a team that's had like Thomas Shabbat for probably less than half the season to this point. Yep. You know, like that's, that's say what you will about Thomas Shabbat. If he's not your best defenseman, he's probably your second best. Sure. You know, um, Jake Sanderson will probably get there, but he's still so young. Like he's going to hit slumps. He's going to have peaks and valleys for these first few years. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, with the injuries they've had, you lose a Matthew Joseph. You don't have Shane Pinto the first half of the season. Like the first I, what 10, 15 games, Josh Norris is not Josh exactly, Norris. Exactly, right? Yeah. So so now like let's let's put this all in sort of one big pile. You have your first line center and your third line center gone for the first part of the season and then Pinto's gone for half the season. Right. You lose Shabbat for what probably amounts to a total of I think two months. And what's he back for yeah, in between like yeah. three, five games? Yeah. I don't even remember what it and was. And then who's been the best your best forwards in the bottom six? They've been Matthew Joseph yeah. and Ridley Gregg, and then yeah. they both go down for an extended period of time, right? So um I I, I defy anyone to show me a team that has had to deal with the kind of injuries they've had to deal with. And I know everybody has injuries, mm-hmm. like, and I know that's the line everyone goes back to. <laughs> right. But when you have this many significant injuries, like, it's going to be a lot harder to win games. And the reality is a lot of those games they lost, they were still in. Like, one of the things that's really hurting them right now is they haven't gotten the loser points like other teams yeah. have. Toronto. Uh, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, like a, half Toronto's games have been overtime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I- I- am I... Will I, would I call this a successful season if they don't make the playoffs or if if they're not even close to making the playoffs? No, I wouldn't. But I've, I've seen some sentiment online about how, oh, it's time to move on from this core. This core can't get it done. Like, are you insane? You know, you, you have all these guys locked in like Brady Kachuk, Jake Sanderson, Tim Stutzla. You've got them on what are going to amount to be 
bargain contracts, especially as the cap goes up. Like, look at what William Nylander just got paid. You know, hmm. I'm not saying Tim Stutzla is on the level of William <laughs> Nylander or anything like that, but maybe not yet. Not exactly yeah. right. So again, like you have your all of your star players locked in at no higher than like eight point two five. You know, so like the core is there. I, I I'm not. I don't. Do think- you worry about the loser mentality thing? Right. The- no. Okay. No, because Brady Kachuk is your captain. Yeah. You know, like like look at the like look at what the this leadership group. Look at how they play every single night. Like to me, the three guys who I look at, and I'll, and I'll even I'll move it to four: Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla, Claude Giroux, and Jacob Chikrin. Those are four guys who every night you can see it on their faces that they're living and dying for it. Yeah. Like I don't think this team has ever had a loser mentality. Everything's wrong with Stutz. Like you can every now and then you see the tape thing sticking out the back of his jersey. Like he's clearly playing through something. I yeah. don't know if it's still there, but for a long time that was a, a thing. I yeah, I think he's banged up. Yeah, I mean, like I don't want to you know say that definitively because no. I'm, I don't cover the team and I don't. You know, yeah, I'm not there every day, but but he's he's banged up. I think, and he's still what at like a point per game. So Pretty close, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I I think like when you factor everything in, like there's. There's zero. There's almost zero cause for concern with the current player group. Zero um, cause for concern. Yeah, like I, I, I would honestly go that far. Like, wow. like, do they need to play better? Absolutely, but um, it takes time. Like these guys, most of these guys have had one coach their entire careers. Yeah, and now you've got them trying to play with a different coach who has a very different style, oh, yeah. and you know you're asking them to buy in and to this structure that they've never had before. So it, it's one of those things where it's going to take time. Um, I, I know Sens fans probably don't want to hear that. How much more time can you ask Sens fans to wait? Well, I think like to look at the last, what, five, four or five years as if they're all the same is, no. is it's somewhat disingenuous, yeah. right? You have that 2021 COVID season. Yeah. You have 2022 where the season was lost in November because the entire team got COVID. Right. And then you have last year where... You know, they had a last rough. year was supposed to be the time to take sure, a step. Sure, and I to- and I totally totally buy that, and they probably should have. But I think they showed a lot in the second half of the season. Yep. Um, would you have liked them to have a better start and actually squeak their way in? Yeah, uh, but I would. I think it's fair to say, at least in the second half, they took a step last year, mm-hmm. and this year again, like you know, you can't chalk it all up to injuries, but to deny that that's been a major component is is silly, frankly. And from there, like, yeah, do they need to? play better absolutely like you know you can't do what they did in vancouver and give up five goals in the first period and expect to win a hockey game right <laughs> like it's just not going to happen yeah um but i think there does need to be some grace given as you have a new ownership group and a new entirely new hockey operations department putting their stamp on things you still have to find whoever the head coach is going to be long term whether that's Jacques martin whether that's somebody else and you've really got to set these guys up with some stability around them. Like I really genuinely think that is what needs to happen. And, and I think the new ownership group is going to do that. So is it rough that you're looking at, you're staring down the barrel of another year without the playoffs? What is that? And that's what yeah. se- seven years or six years in a row. Like, yeah. yeah, like it's not great. You know, I, I love the sense. I want to see them in the playoffs, but I think you also have to be cognizant of the fact that, that we're you're going to see an entirely new organization for the first time probably 
to start next season. You know, like like let's say let's say Jacques Martin doesn't get the job long term. Let's say they put him back up in the front office. They hire this isn't meant coach. to be a rip. He's not going to get it right. Like he's seventy one years old. Yeah, he's the like, interim guy. He was the easy slide in. They're going to go look for somebody, right? I think so. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I but also if he engineers a what a miraculous turnaround sure. in the second half, like even that's, if they don't make the playoffs, they turn it around exactly. in the second half. That's yeah. that's still on the table. Right? Yeah, yeah, so, of course. So I think. I think next year is when if things still if we're if we're having the same discussion in January of 2025 yeah. like I think that's when you start having discussions about the core because at that point you've done everything you've got a new GM you've got a new head coach like you've you've got these kids under contract you've said hey like this is the group you know this is who we are it's on you guys now you've got a new head coach like let's say it's a coach who's really good with his defensive structure and sure. things like that should have them playing better in their own end if we're having that same discussion a year from now okay then that's where i'm willing to start hearing out discussions about the core but right now when everybody is so young like brady kachuk's 24 yeah you know yeah. Like, like you know tim stutzla is younger than him yep. jake sanderson is the same age as stutzla norris is brady's age batherson is my age 25 you know like like batherson's probably what senior citizen exactly right like that's <laughs> the, if the oldest member of your core yeah. is 25 yeah you know, like you still got time. And I think to have discussions about starting to blow it up before these kids even hit their mid to late twenties is, is rather, is, is rash. And again, I think the context of the situation has to play a huge part in it. And, you know, do they need to be, I'm not giving the players a pass. Like right. they, they need to be better. Well, cause at this point, the only thing left is them. Like, yeah. like it, you've changed the coach and you'll probably change it again this summer. Maybe you won't, but right. the, the management, the ownership, all the stuff has been turned over except the players. At this point, it's on them to buy in. We had our buddy uh, Steve Lloyd was in here yep. on the, the Monday show, and he said he believes they're ready to to make some, some player moves. Now, he didn't say they're getting ready to blow up the core, at yeah. least not in season, but that maybe – Maybe guys have gotten a little comfortable. Sure. Maybe, you know, with the the, the players coach that they had for the longest time here. And I wonder coming out of that conversation, if you, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the only guys that I would have on that roster who are untouchable in the right situation, like we just saw today, Cutter Gauthier, yeah. or I guess it was last night, I don't even know, Jamie Drysdale, right? Yep. Those are two big prospects swapping spots. I I would not trade Brady. Right. I would not trade Stutzla, and I would not trade Sanderson. Everyone else, I don't want, I don't want to trade Shabbat for pieces for three years down the road. Yeah. If I could trade him for another piece that can help me right now, Batherson, same, Norris, same, like... If the right deal is on the table, am I missing anybody that you definitely would not let go of? Because to me, it's those three that I'm I'm keeping and they're untouchable. Everyone else, yeah. I'll talk about. Like I would extend it probably to Chikrin just because yeah. he's been an absolute stallion for them. very good this year. And they've invested a lot in him, right? Yeah. Like they gave up a lot of draft yeah. capital for him. So yeah, I would extend it to Chikrin and I would say him, Brady, and Timmy are my... And Sanderson, Sanderson are my untouchable guys. Right. Um, but again, like, I don't think, like, I don't necessarily think that trading any of the core players, like, I don't see a scenario right now, and this could change, obviously, if somebody comes available. Sure. I don't see a scenario where you trade a Josh Norris or a Drake Batherson or a Thomas Shabbat and it makes you a better hockey team immediately. 
And that's what they need. They needed to be a better hockey team immediately. Do you think, like, if, if Norris is your number two center, or number, like, depending on how you want to shuffle that, yeah. and somebody else is 23-year-old center, I off the top of my head, I'm struggling to come up with a name. But, like, in a similar situation, and it's just not working, would you just do it? Like, would you just do it to do it? Shake no. things up, get a little comfort, uh, get guys a little more, or a little less comfortable Go look. Here's a comparable center. We're going to swap him in for Josh Norris, or I'm not picking on Josh Norris. No, no, I get a Batherson yeah, yeah, yeah. or like equal trade, yeah. change of scenery kind of trade. I, I think if you're adding, you're adding experience. Yeah. Like if I'm adding, I'm adding a guy who's probably in his mid to late twenties, and a guy that's been through maybe a few playoff rounds before, right? And a guy who knows what it takes to go deep and to find that extra gear late in the season. Um. Like I, again, I I don't see a scenario where where trading one of those guys makes you a better hockey team the next day, and that's the reality of you it. You don't think like, there's any validity to snapping people's attention back to? I don't think you're there yet. No. Like like you just yeah. you just traded a head uh, you just fired a head coach obviously a few yeah. weeks ago, but like but nobody on the roster's been held to account yet. Uh, I mean, they just took Stutzel off the power play, right? Like, and that's I true. Think, they did move him down. And there, no, there, you're right. You're and, right. And there has been changes in ice time. Like, there have been guys who have seen less minutes and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't have the the numbers to back that up, but right. Just watching the games, like, like they're not playing to me like a team that's checked out and given up. And well, and Jacques Martin has been very blunt in the media too, right? Like and that's a good thing. And I, I think so. And I think again, like I said, I I I think patience needs to be preached here, which is. And credit to Steve Steos and Michael Anlauer if they actually do it because it's really hard to do at this point. And I think, you know, you can probably argue that DJ Smith maybe should have been dismissed earlier. Um, I'm not saying I think that. Like I, I think I'll there's say it. <laughs> that's fine. I think there's a lot of value to having a guy that the players like, especially yep. when when the team's young. And and again, like like you mentioned, right? Like I think a lot of teams would rather make that move if they have a guy who's going to step in and be their head coach long-term right yeah. away, right? And I don't know if Jacques Martin's that guy. So uh, all that is to say, I-, I think these guys do need a little bit more time. Again, like you, like let's say for argument's sake that you think DJ Smith instilled five years of bad habits in these guys. I don't necessarily think that's totally fair, but a lot of people seem to think that the structure of the team is what has hurt them. And I would agree with that part. So if you have five years of bad habits to undo Mm -hmm. with these young players who have only ever played for one coach, like how long do people think that takes to undo? Like it doesn't take a month. I look at somebody like to me, Thomas Shabbat. Yeah. Up, 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 kind of plateaued. And then I think he hasn't been very good. I think Shabbat has been overplayed these last few years. And I think 28 minutes a night for a team that's not making the playoffs might have been a little over the top. Yeah, Yeah, right. Like it probably was. I I, I think a lot of people would would agree with that. And I think the unfortunate part of the Shabbat injury is now they're having they're sort of being forced to do the same thing with Sanderson. Right. So um, I think a healthy blue line is going to go a long way to restoring some of the balance throughout the lineup. and then from there, it's again like it takes time for these guys to learn structure. It takes time for guys who are struggling to find their game. It takes time to get healthy if they're playing hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you have a, a pair of goalies who everybody wants to rip on, and they haven't always been great, but yeah. the team around them hasn't been great. Right. It's really hard to play goalie in the NHL when the team around you isn't great defensively. So true story. Uh, so I think all in all, like. I really do believe that patience, at least in the short term, is the best approach. 
Um, I think now in saying that, I think if you get to the trade deadline and this is a team where guys have visibly checked out and you're seeing guys who are not invested and not buying in, then you start. Tarasenko, and- I'm looking right at you. <laughs> <laughs> like that to me is when you start entertaining. Okay. Like now it's time to shock these guys back to life, right. you know, like now it's time to trade a core piece or something like that. Uh, I, I don't think you're there yet. And I don't think that, I think you need to see what this team looks like when Shabbat is healthy, when Pinto's in the lineup. Yeah. Like right now you're asking guys to play minutes that are probably o- over their head. Stutzla, Norris, Pinto up the middle. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, but we haven't seen it maybe ever exactly. for any extended period like, of time. Yeah, the three of them have not been healthy at the same time. Right. So um, so I think when you get those three guys in the lineup down the middle and you can have a little bit more balance with your forward lines and, you know, whether Josh Norris is playing less minutes or more minutes or Stutzel is able to take a step back or, or whatever you need to do, like – if at that point when everything is healthy and there are zero excuses mm-hmm. and there's zero injuries and everybody is playing the minutes they should be playing, and if at that point the team is still looking checked out and you know not yeah. bought in, that to me is when you start making that move. But I wouldn't I wouldn't rush to do that right now. Well, so last last thing for you on the Sens then is over the course of the holiday season we saw them announce that uh, Steve Stales will be the full time. Uh, GM as opposed to the interim GM. They did bring in Dave Poulin as the, yeah. uh, I guess they called it senior vice president of yeah. hockey ups and they, uh, Ryan bonus got a, a promotion as well. Um, whether it was the right call or the wrong call, were you surprised that they made the call now? Cause I think a lot of people sort of assumed yeah. Steos rides out the rest of the season as interim. Then you can talk to some AGMs. You can talk to some people in the off season. I thought it was, and again, I understand the good listener knows that I might be a little bit biased, but I thought this was a rush to do something that you didn't have to do right now. He already had the interim title. Why not wait till the summer and see what was out there? Were you surprised that they did it when they did? I was, uh, but also just being around the OHL and the way that Michael Ann Lauer has run the Bulldogs for the last, you know, X amount of time, uh, as soon as he, it became clear that he was going to be the owner of the Senators, I thought Steve Steos was going to be the GM okay. right away because he did such a phenomenal... On top of the presidency once no, he was no, installed so, there? No, no, So this was before he got okay, okay. the presidency, right? So, like, just seeing the job he did with that Hamilton Bulldogs team yep. over the last... You Had know, some experience with the Oilers, oh some experience God, with yeah. the Leafs. There was some talk he might be Ken Holland's successor. Exactly. Edmonton. Like, I, you know, that I think Edmonton really wanted that for yeah. him, but... Uh, to answer your question about whether it was whether I was surprised now, yeah, be, only because of everything they had said in terms of like doing an actual deep GM search, right? And you heard all these names thrown around like Matthew Darsh and, and mm-hmm. whoever as guys that could potentially be the long term GM. Um, so I was surprised about the timing, but I'm not surprised that Steve Steos is going to be the GM. Right. Um, I think, you know, like I said, I keep going back to the OHL just because that's where I've been the last few years. But, um, like, I've seen the Hamilton teams where he laid the foundation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you go back and look at the Hamilton teams that he built himself, uh, the guy knows how to win. And Michael Ann Lauer is an owner that wants to win and will put people in positions to do what they need to do to win. So um, I know how highly he thinks of Steve Steos, and I know how highly people in hockey think of Steve Steos. So, uh to me, I'm not surprised that he's the GM, but definitely surprised at the timing. If just because of everything we heard when when Pierre Dorian was dismissed, right? Right. 
Uh, when we send you out of here, we still got uh, a few hours till the trade deadline. Uh, yeah. We got left to do today. What's uh, what's the rest of your day look like? What's Wednesday going to look like? You asking for you? me what what moves we're making? Or? Well, <laughs> if you'll tell us, we'll happily take it. But uh, you know, just on your side of things, do you get to sleep tonight, or is it keep you know one one ear on your phone waiting for some news? Or? Yeah, things don't usually drop in the middle of the night. Okay. Um, and and I'll say this about us: like I think we've, if you look at the ads we've made, we've made some big ads. Um, Braden Kressler, who's a Maple Leafs prospect, as an old that a boy, we love you, buddy. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> that's the one time I'll give it to you. Um, but yeah, Braden Kressler is a huge ad. Samuel Maia is a huge ad. Uh, again, a top pairing defenseman for us, and and uh, Jacob Millette last night, um, who's mm-hmm. going to be another top six center, who's an overager, and adding Ian Micheloni to sort of replace Max Donoso and with Colin McKenzie in net. Um, we've we've done a lot. Like we've addressed a lot of needs. So. Uh, how active are we going to be over the next couple of days? Like, I, I honestly don't know, and I won't even pretend to know. Right. I've, you know, Boydy and Jan have surprised me many times before, <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if they have another trick up their sleeve before sure. the deadline. But, uh, but it's been a fun few days. Um, you asked me if the nights are busy uh, tonight. I'm probably going to be playing Ghost of Tsushima and then go for go to bed. <laughs> Uh, but I do, I do have my alarm set pretty early so I could check my phone to make sure I don't miss anything. And that's kind of, it's going to be a lot of, uh, hurry up and wait for the next day or so. I uh, want to let the good listener know that on Thursday, our buddy Lever Sage will be back on the podcast. He's still hanging out over in Italy, so he'll report back on whether he's found any good craft beers there over <laughs> in, uh, over on the Italian peninsula. Um, and, uh, I, I really, I don't know what he's paying attention to over there. Is he falling into club football Italia or, uh, you know, is he keeping an eye on the Sens? We'll, we'll see what Lever's got to talk about on Thursday morning. And then in a couple of weeks, Joshua O'Connor will be back on here. And, uh, he was on here last year around this time to, uh, tee up that season of behind the R and, uh, you know, he reached out to me a couple of days ago. Actually, I reached out to him in November and then he texted me like two days ago. He's like, ah, oh, I thought I answered this. So, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So love Joshua. He does fantastic work. Looking forward to having him back on as well. And no doubt at some point, Hoffley will come in here and refute everything you just said. And uh, <laughs> we'll do all that as well. So it's going to be a good couple of weeks around the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, Brandon Mackey, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming in, man. This is fun. Hey, anytime. Thanks so much. It was a blast. We'll, uh, we'll do it again for sure. Make sure you subscribe to the pod wherever you're hearing us right now. We are on social media at Tall Can Audio. My name is Matt Robinson. For Brandon Mackey, we will see you next time. What the hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?